And we're back. This is the Rock Zone podcast with Tom, Max, and myself, Ben. And welcome to the final episode in our summer camp series. The series finale. Yeah, the final one. The final and most important one. The final supper, you would say. Uh, very apt, given it's a nutrition-based episode. Yeah. And Max is very much looking forward to this because we're going to figure out how to sort his bowels. Yeah, so who so, knows? He actually might be able to complete a race next season. Yeah, cannot wait. Should be good. Okay, should, should we do it? Should yes. we get into it? Three, Let's two, one. Rock Zone in. Rock Zone in. Okay, so today we are going to be talking about nutrition, mm. and we are going to be joined by a sports nutritionist. Ooh, who's on the menu? Uh, at, at, at time of recording, we are yet to confirm who said nutritionist will be. Uh, um, <laughs> of so, but, but be prepared in the next few minutes to be blown away by this guest. They are going to be the one, the only top nutritionist that's going to save our stomachs and our minds. Yeah, because nutrition starts in the mind. Does it? I thought it started with what went in your mouth. But. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, they're going to be epic. Yeah, and we're looking forward to having them on the show. That's going to be good. The uh, the other thing that I do like to eat is cake, obviously, and a lovely little very forced segue <laughs> into the Betty Crocker workout, uh, which we're only one week away from now. Yes. So that's happening at Unit One Nine Elms on the second of August uh, for a functional fitness test in the form of the Betty Crocker workout. Um, all you've got to do is either click on this episode wherever you get your podcast and look at the show notes for a link there or head on over to at Pod on Instagram and the little link that you need to buy your ticket is in uh, is in the link tree. So, so yeah, that's all happening Wednesday the 2nd of August. We'd love to see you there. It's a community meetup. I want to meet some like-minded people, have some good fun um, and sweat some, sweat some cake out. Speaking of sweating mm. you did a Betty Crocker if I I'm did not actually yeah I, how was your experience I you know what this like, is your first one it was my first one and I fucking you lost your best crocker virginity yeah I lathered myself in cake and uh, <laughs> ran around the gym uh, no I, I enjoyed it I really yeah. did but it was tough like I thought these five minute breaks were really gonna like ease it up a bit but I, I did find it sort of like okay I have enough time to collect myself get the ne- get the next set of gear out get ready and get, and go in and actually give it some some welly what i quite mm. like about it was that the like for the sled push for example like i know that in a race i'll be finishing that quicker than five minutes but it pushed me to actually be like right okay what what can i do like what is the limit yeah. for me and um <laughs> i think the guys at high rocks even eddie's spoken to me about this in the past it's like people don't train these exercises like for greater than they get in the actual race. Mm, mm. So I, I saw it as one a benchmark, but also a way to actually force me to do some training on these things and actually yeah. say, oh, look, this is a strength or this is a weakness. Um, do you want to know how I did? Go on. Tease me. So um, sled push, mm-hmm. 124 meters. Woo! Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, I was I was in Brother. the zone for that one. I was in the zone. Jeez. Um, that must have been a quick match. Yeah, annoyingly, I didn't have... To, yeah, fuck you. Um, <laughs> the, um, annoyingly, I didn't have um, plates to put it on, so I had to put kettlebells on as well. Had to be a bit of a ratchet sort of setup hey, and add it all up. Though. That's badass. Um, then, the, then it was 124 warbles. Bloody hell. However, my oh, gym caveat. ceiling caveat. is not that tall. <laughs> so, okay. so I had to adapt it, and uh, I used a medicine ball uh, that was seven kg, not six, but it had handles on it. So I was effectively throwing it in the air, but not throwing it anywhere. I actually let go of it once and hit one of the like the the roof tiles, and dust came down, <laughs> and I started like coughing and choking because it went in my eyes. I was like looking up. This is ridiculous. Um, so okay. yeah, so 
I appreciate that the time was saved because I'm basically pulling the ball back down as well. Um, yeah. Using, okay. Then, but the thing is, if I've done it this way now, I'll do it the exact same way at the very, at the end of the off season. And that way I can know what okay, I want. for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, then I did 54 burpee broad jumps. Okay. Yeah, which I... We know you don't like broad Fucking burpees. hate. Yeah, we know you hate burpees. Like with a passion. Although you have got great form on them, we know you don't like them, so... Well, it's one of those, like you just kind of... <laughs> I, I don't like the, the one meter ones as well because I find the twist. Yeah, the twist. Like the rounds, twist yeah. is like, especially when you do a PFT and you've got to do the twist. I was like, oh my God, I'd rather just go forward and yeah, then turn yeah. and then do another 10. Agreed. Um, okay, so 54 ball jumps. And then rounding it out with 88 max kettlebell lunges. Which, 88. That's decent. Though. It, 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 I did put little padding mats to hit my knees so I could sort of run a bit faster on it. Yeah. But um, yeah. Didn't like that one either, really. And just to clarify, Ben, because you asked us this question mm. when you were doing it, the kettlebells should add up to the same weight yes. as the sandbag lunges. So say you were doing sandbag lunges with 20 kilos, you then hold a two 10 kilo kettlebells. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's okay. exactly the question I was there. I was like, hang on, that's going to be really hard if it's 40 kg overall. <laughs> and then I was like, no, surely not. Um, I so you'll run. Uh, run, I was uh, one kilometre on the nose. Nice. nice. Um, yeah, I, I, my gym shut, so I actually had to like go outside and do the run as well, which was... <laughs> I was running in the open, oh yeah, my God. Everyone's going to look at me. What do I do? But I think like if you do on a treadmill, like I feel like you can push yourself a little bit faster. Like you I can think be you like, probably, oh yeah, you can run right, faster on the treadmill. I'm going to, because you constantly see it and you're like, right, okay, the time's counting down. I can go for this. And I think that's the beautiful thing about the Bretty Crocker. It's the, the time calibration on it. You're like, I've got this much time to make the difference. It's not like when we look at like a high rocks, it's like, oh, right. I've got to do 80 meters of burpee broad jumps. I've got yeah. to reduce my time. You're kind of playing a different mental game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's true. Which, which is good, I think, which is good. Yeah. Um, same, same, with the, same with the PFT as well. So yeah, nice. fantastic workout. Really enjoyed it. We've, um, we've also had some of the community take on the Betty Crocker. Mm -hmm. I would love to give you a little snippet from Isla2309. Uh, who recently took it on with her mates, and this is what she had to say. Mm. Hi, um, <laughs> thanks for your message. Uh, I don't really know what to say all about it, apart from it was bloody tough. <laughs> um, we are training for the doubles, for the high rocks, mixed doubles. Seagulls. So Sounds like she's there was four lovely, of yeah. us, and we kind of did it in our yeah. pairs. So we did it like a you-go-I-go, go, so the five minutes that somebody was working, the other person had five minutes rest. Mm -hmm. Um... So yeah, we started on the sled push, which was okay. I don't mind the sled push. So that I didn't mind that. Um, and then we went on to the wall balls. I did, I think, 35 unbroken was just the max I could get. But one of the other guys in the other groups, he did 100 unbroken, so he did really wow. well. That was um, a whole group that did We then this. did the wow. burpees. And to be honest, the first couple of minutes, I thought this isn't too bad. And then the last Surprise, couple of minutes, I thought this is really bad. It was hellish. Um, yeah, so five minutes is a long time when you're doing something like that. Yeah. But the five minute break was sweet. That was really good. Um, then, oh God, our hands were like jelly trying to fill in the form, <laughs> trying to fill in the box of our, our results. That was one of the hardest bits, to be honest. Um, but yeah. yeah, overall, it was good, tough, but good. So we'll do it again in a few weeks and see how we get on. Tough. Nice. Tough but good. Tough but good. And it sounds like there was a little group of them that was yeah. doing that. That's awesome to hear. Can we? I just want to rewind quickly. 
what was that soundscape in the background? Yeah. She sounded like she was in like either a harbour or like some... I was picturing a nice Scottish harbour. Yeah. She might not be in Scotland, but obviously Isla has Scottish accent. Yeah. I'm picturing this lovely picturesque Scottish harbour, sun setting. Yeah. There's a few little fishing boats around and they've just completed a, completed a Betty Crocker. Oh. What a better setting to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I did actually see their, their scorecard that they drew up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, basically just like a table of like each exercise with the amount of reps so they could like basically look at each others and they they tagged us on instagram with it which was super handy because that's actually what i used to see if i was actually doing any good <laughs> and so the community is helping us improve yeah so yeah if you, that's what it's for that's yeah. what it's for if anyone actually does do one do actually send us a photo in uh, or better still take a photo of you in a scottish harbour after you've completed one um we'd like to see where you do it just as much as how you got on Sweet as. So we spent a lot of time talking about the Betty Crocker. I'm a little bit crocked out, to be fair. Mm. I'm looking forward to resting myself for, for when we actually have the event. Uh, now we want to get our guest on. Who is it yet? I don't know. We're about to find out. <laughs> let's get into it. Okay, let's get to it and introduce this week's guest, Jack Braniff from Box Nutrition and Performance. Have I said that right? You have, yeah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Welcome, welcome to the show. Um, in fact, before I extend that welcome any further, we're going to have to do some quick fire questions, oh, as is traditional <laughs> with all of our guests, unfortunately. So you're, you're going to have to pass a series of very, very tricky questions before before you're allowed to share your wisdom with all our listeners. This is what I was dreading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so let's start nice and easy. What is an everyday item? that you cannot go without jack um milk <laughs> milk okay we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit further <laughs> later on i'm sure um what is a world record you would have a genuine chance at setting or beating falling asleep falling asleep for what duration or no, speed no, speed i mean that's as a pretty it, big flex as in like, it, it heads the pillow gone <laughs> really i'm pretty jealous of that and i'm sure a lot of other people would be um okay would you rather be the first human to run a sub two hour marathon or the first human to race a sub nine second hundred meters? I think it has to be the latter. It's got to be the quickest. The, the yeah, I think meters. so too. I think so too. You, you're you the say it's like held on to that record for long enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Would you rather run a high rocks in flip flops or having just eaten a greasy kebab five minutes before the start? Uh, the flip-flops. <laughs> flip-flops, yeah. Yeah, it has to be. I can't imagine dragging myself round with that slushing around in my oh, belly. Oh, I just do a thought now. <laughs> <laughs> um, final question. What would be your dream athlete to work with? It's got to be Hunter, I think. It has to. Really? Do you yeah. reckon? Okay. I just think he's a bit left wing. He's, he's, he doesn't he doesn't follow that kind of typical profile of what athletes should do in a way, if that makes any sense. Like he likes to drink, yes. he likes to party. And I quite like yeah. that. So he's a bit more rogue and I think you could have a bit more, yeah, a bit more relaxed with it. Fine. A real experiment as yeah. such. Okay. Well, I liked all of those answers and uh, you've passed. So congratulations and, yeah. and welcome to the rock side. <laughs> um Jack, let's let's give the audience a little bit of uh, an insight as to who you are and perhaps how you started um, your journey into sports nutrition and performance. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, I think 
I guess it started with sports nutrition because that's what I did my master's in. So I did it in sports and exercise nutrition. I think I really kind of looked at mainly CrossFit um, during my thesis as well as looked at beta alanine um, for CrossFit. And that kind of led me down that, I guess, functional path, let's say. Um, I think since then as well, I've done kind of like personal training qualifications as well as um, like a running coach as well or kind of the VDOT just to help with that. Um, mm-hmm. And then that's just kind of got me kind of working with really an array of athletes. To be honest, it can be triathletes it can be kind of weight loss it can be contact sports so a lot of boxes at the moment and now it seems that people seem to come to me for high ups as well um so i have that kind of, i guess spectrum of people yeah. to work with and then on top of that i also do the testing so you learn about all the testing at uh, university where when i say testing i'm talking about metabolism testing to help kind of fueling and also veer to max and lactate testing so when again when runners or cyclists come in it just helps with getting training zones so essentially it's the nutrition parts but then also use the uh-huh. the testing to help guide and the nutrition a bit of the training as well so on that note one of my questions later on was actually going to be um this vo2 max thing is all over social media you see athletes of all calibers and disciplines with these big face masks going on in like a nutshell what is it for and is there any purpose for it in high rocks it's a good question i think essentially what veer 2 max is it's how much oxygen you can take in and use and the reason why that's important is that we use oxygen to convert carbohydrates and fat to energy so the more oxygen you can use the more energy you can produce so for sports like say running crossfits high rocks if you can obviously kind of use more oxygen you'll be able to run for further and faster so it is important i think what we need to be careful of that it's definitely not the the only market that's important when it comes to endurance and like you said in the last podcast you use the garmin as a, a way to you don't really measure it we use like an algorithm so the reason why i do a virtual map test is to actually measure the amount of oxygen that you can use but the testing is not just about that and again i'm going up with these, these tangents here but really really what we're looking for the testing is kind of three key points so we're looking for the aerobic threshold, which is the point where you go from like an easy to a moderate zone. Yeah. I don't know if you've, again, you've seen it banded around Instagram. People talk about zone two, where you should do a lot of yes. easy training. Yes. Your aerobic yes. threshold is the point at which you cross from zone two to zone three. So if we can measure that point, we can say exactly what heart rate, what pace, power you can exercise at to get the most from it. I mean, that sounds incredibly scientific and maybe just to, to dumb it down a little bit me as a very average functional athlete how would that even be possible is it feasible for me to to try and do something like that well it, you can guess it so you'll see a lot of the calculators online so again um uh, what uh, what's the the main heart rate people for high rocks? what they my zone so they just do a percentage of your max to calculate your training zones but there's a lot of inaccuracies in that because you are just guessing so guessing yeah that's okay. the problem with it however to dumb it down when you do your easy running, you just need to be able to hold a conversation. And if you can hold a yeah. conversation, we know that you're roughly within that kind of zone too. So you don't have to have testing to find it. However, it's just a way just to kind of guarantee that when you are at that pace, you know that you are getting the most benefit from it. Fair. Okay. Fine. Um, let's, um, let's, let's dumb it down even further <laughs> um, with a very easy opening question that I actually wanted to ask you. Yeah is does a diet for a functional fitness athlete differ from those of other people or other athletes? That's a good question. I think the, the principles of nutrition, I guess they're fairly 
standard across the board. So eat more vegetables, drink more water, eat plenty of protein, etc. Don't eat too much. Don't eat rubbish. I think, I guess where functional fitness, the problem with it is because it's such a, I guess, a spectrum of different activities that I guess that's an umbrella term where you could have um, powerlifting, you could be running a, a 10K, you could be doing a high rock simulation, whatever it is. The fueling for each of these activities is going to differ. And I think that's where you have to be very, I guess, athlete centric with this. So you've got to say to yourself, what's the needs of the person doing the sport and also what activity are they doing? So if you've got, say, um, a higher ups athlete, say Michael Sandbach, and he's doing, say, training three times per day, his fueling and his energy requirements are going to be very different to, say, some of us mere normal people or, say, Sandra, who's doing three 20-minute circuit classes per week. So it's not mm-hmm. so much the principles are different. It's just the fueling is going to be very different depending on what your your goals and, and, and what you're actually doing. That makes sense. And then perhaps the follow-up question to that would be, if I know that I'm racing at, say, 3 p.m. Yeah. the next day in a, in a high rocks race, what would you suggest the fueling would be for that? Is there anything where you can say, look, because you're doing eight kilometers or thereabouts of running interspersed with loads of functional exercises, is there anything that you would say is more conducive to performing well? Simply carbs. I think this is, again, where people nice. get it quite wrong. Now, when you the, the higher the intensity of the sport, so if you start running fast and if you go into that kind of red zone you, or your heart rate's really high, you switch to carbohydrates. We can measure that. And if you're going to be running on carbohydrates, obviously you need to fuel with carbohydrates. And you can look at actual numbers, but I think the best way really to do it is just to eat carbohydrate. Where you look at the day before, so imagine filling up your glycogen stores, your carbohydrate stores, and simply have carbs with each meal. Okay, that's just the easiest way to do it. But and the other thing is on the day itself, you're going to have carbs for breakfast, and you're also going to have looking to eat about two to three hours before the actual event. Okay. And but this is where you have to start thinking about. Um, the actual amount and also the type of food that you're having as well. So ideally you're looking for that two to three hour window before your train or your racing. So let's say you're, you're racing at three, you're looking to have a meal around about 12 o'clock and that's, yeah. And that gives you plenty of time to say, to digest all the kind of the carbohydrates. So you're going to feel okay. And the other thing you've got to start thinking about then is the actual type of food that you're having. So foods that are high in say fiber, high in fat, they're going mm-hmm. to impact digestion. So you said about the kebab before, that could be like the worst possible things it's just going to sit in your stomach <laughs> so, so what we need to start thinking about is carbohydrates that are low in fiber um again low in fat not much spice they'll kind of digest fairly well and they're not going to sit on the on the stomach and in terms of actual kind of quantities like a simple way to remember it's just one gram per kilo of target body weight or body weight so how heavy are you max i won't disclose that <laughs> publicly no so i i weigh around 85 kilograms okay so what we'll probably say for you is that you're going to need around that kind of one to two grams per kilo of carbohydrates two to three hours before. And okay. you might say that seems like a lot. So if we say about 150 grams or 160, 170 grams of carbohydrate or 85 to 170 grams of carbohydrates, if you just got that from potatoes or oats, that's a hell of a lot of food and you're not going to feel very good. So this is the reason why you have to start thinking about the type of carbohydrates. So, have you heard of GI or glycemic index or glycemic load? Or um, I have not, and I will not pretend that I have. No, so, please, please enlighten me. <laughs> so just to keep it really simple, is that high GI is more sugary. So think gels, sweets, jam. And again, it doesn't take much to digest them. 
Whereas, say, something mm-hmm. that is low GI or low glycemic load, it's going to say something like very fibrous. So imagine potatoes mm-hmm. and, and things like that. So we want to opt for foods that are higher in GI or slightly higher in GI because they'll get into your system quicker. So if you've got two hours before, we can afford to have a bit more of the starchy stuff. You've got plenty of time. However, as yeah. you get closer to that event, you can afford to have more things like gels. It could be fruit juice. It could be jam because you haven't got the time to digest that food. I mean, I'm listening to this and unfortunately, it seems like hot tarts pour magic food over Pop-Tart actually seems to have some merit in consuming that before a race. And I mean, is that correct? The thing is that's, I should have just answered the question like that. I should have just said, have a pop pop tart before you, before you race. And I wouldn't have had to waffle on then about glycogen loading. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Paul just, just nailed it. Yeah. In that one sentence. Okay, fine. So let's, let's rival, let's try and find a rival, like, food source to a pop tart what on the top of your head could you come up with that that would be equally Ooh. if not more effective personally i like bagels and honey or sorry soaring banana bread that's the kind of the two kind of thing my, my go-to carbohydrate okay. sources i'm i'm going to rule out bagels and honeys okay. because that's tim vinish's like go-to thing so you can't have that one that's <laughs> that's taken unfortunately so Sorin bread and banana. Well, Sorin, and they do banana bread version as well. So Sorin is like squidgy energy, and it gives you a mm. massive bang for your buck in terms of how much carbohydrates you can have. And so you can eat, you can get a lot of carbohydrate with just a small piece, but it's great. <laughs> Fair. Okay, well, that's a unique answer, and that will be accepted. Okay. So that's locked in. That's, <laughs> that's joining. That Well, we'll see. We'll see if anyone wants to message in and wants to experiment how that compares to a pop. Perhaps we'll get Ben to do it, because Ben's now on the Pop-Tart train. Yeah. So uh, we'll give him some banana bread version of Soreen. Make sure it's the... 60 minutes before. We're not looking, that's not... 60 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Exactly 60 minutes. Excellent. Um, speaking of timing before the race, and forgive me, this is just something that I do need to ask because yeah. this is actually how Jack and I were introduced because he very kindly suggested... Um, a couple of tips and tricks for me to avoid my um, bowel problems that I've been having during the race. So, for normal people, is there, in your opinion, a specified time before, or how long or how short before, you should relieve yourself? Or is that just complete nonsense, go whenever you feel like it? To be honest, it's complete nonsense, go with it. Because if you've ever done a marathon or a 10k the portalist before you'll know that people are going whenever so i think it yes yes. it's more to do with what can you do to counter that happening during i think that's 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 the real question (laughs) fine yeah so it's it's a me problem fantastic okay no spicy food um that's the big practice no kebab no kebab (laughs) okay okay um fine so next question i have is what you see the biggest mistake being that functional athletes make when it comes to their nutrition? I think I've already alluded to this or touched upon it. It really is the carbohydrates. I think, especially from, so have you heard of the paleo diet before or? Yes. Is that like nothing is cooked? It's like all natural or is it? Cooked, which is very, very unprocessed. So imagine like potatoes. Very unprocessed. And I think with CrossFit, say about a decade ago, this was very much 
with CrossFit. So it, it came about with that, did this kind of like functional scene. And I guess the, the premise of, of Paleo, it's quite good that you're getting rid of, say, like uh, unprocessed foods, which is great. But the problem was it didn't really account for the individual in that with high-intensity exercise, so high-rock-specific CrossFit, you need a lot of carbohydrates. And imagine, say, again, some of these athletes who are training, say, two, three times a day, their carbohydrate needs are so high. And to try and get that from, say, things like just potatoes or just oats, it's almost impossible. And that's when you have to use things like gels, like fruit juice, say things like your real high, again, high GI from the sources. And the issue where what I'm seeing is still when people come in is that they're just underfueling and they're thinking, oh, I've got to go low carb and that's going to be okay. But again, from testing, we know at that intensity, you're ripping through carbohydrates. And if you're not going to have enough, you're just going to perform very poorly. So it's just always just think of that kind of like feed the speed, push the carbohydrates up around those key sessions. And I think on the flip side of it though, because again, Hirox Sims, CrossFit, hit session, it seems very hard. And sometimes it can give that, um, you start thinking that you could be burning lots of calories. Whereas if say you've only done like 12 minutes or 10 minutes of the actual WOD, even though it might seem really difficult, you might not warrant that amount of carbohydrates. So mm-hmm. it's, it's more about understanding or fueling the work required. When you're doing a lot of hard stuff, you need to eat plenty of carbohydrates. But when you say might not be doing so much, you might be doing like a strength session, could be a recovery day, you might not quite need that. And obviously you don't smash loads of gels on those types of days. So you've you've mentioned gels quite a lot. Mm. And this is um, a question that, that I had as well. Is there any kind of um, legitimate reason why high rocks athletes in particular should or shouldn't be taking gels during a race so let's let's say the the average time it takes for an athlete to complete a high rocks is around 120 to one hour 20 that is to one hour 40 is that are you in enough distress are you putting your body under enough distress to warrant taking some kind of liquids or gels the way you have to look at it it's it's not so much the stress imagine that you've got these glycogen or carbohydrate stores within the muscle and the blood and the brain as well. Yeah. Imagine that you're just going to deplete that. And normally it takes around that kind of like 60 minutes to 75 minutes to fully deplete those stores. So if you're going to be, say, racing for, say, an hour and 20, an hour and 30 and beyond, the likelihood here is you are going to deplete those stores. And it doesn't have to be the whole body. Well, it will be the whole body. That's the thing. So if you're going to, you could go without, but it just doesn't make sense to not. So if you look at any, say, half marathon race, if you even look at, say, some of your, not so much 10Ks for kind of your better athletes, but half marathons, 10 miles, they will have a gel in. And if you can stomach it, why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you put yourself in that position where you've got that little bit more blood glucose, where you might be able to just push that little bit harder, a bit further? I think, well, yeah. perhaps to play to play devil's advocate, yeah. I would have thought faffing about with that and like, you know, tearing a packet open and squeezing it, maybe unfortunately going down the wrong way and like choking in it or or something like that because you're trying to do it whilst you're running i would have thought there is a little bit of a risk perhaps but what i'm hearing you say is there is a genuine benefit because if on average it's depleted entirely but from 60 to 75 minutes somewhere in that in that region it's worth you taking taking something to to stop that um, but what i would say with that though i wouldn't say it's in my athletes right then it's your it's your first high rocks race it's the first time you're going to go out on the floor let's experiment with this gel that you would not do that i think if you're going to say yes. do this you have to pr- it's like anything with fueling you have to practice that strategy 
So if you're struggling to get the, the gels open, don't bloody use those. Use chews instead. You can literally just put one in the in the mouth. It could be, say, something yeah. small. So it's like when you're running. Initially, again, I was very similar that I couldn't stomach any gels. It just made me sick. I just couldn't do it. But now it's fine. It's the same for opening them. So it's, again, you have to practice um, what you do in competition in your training. I think that's it. Right. So for, for anyone wanting to try that or being intrigued by it, practice it not on the day of the exam quite literally do it do it beforehand yes okay okay um and then is there an ideal time in which you would take that is it like just before you've reached um complete depletion or is it like half an hour in to make sure like your your levels are topped up is there like an ideal time? Yeah, it's a good question. So you're looking at gastric emptying, really. And what we know, so have you ever done a marathon or a half marathon before? Or I, I have, yes. Have and I'm training for another one in September. So yeah. Okay, um, brilliant. Which one? Uh, I'm doing uh, the one in Münster, which is slightly less known in Germany, okay. but um, it's only because I didn't get a ballot London. entry to London this time. <laughs> you don't fancy going to Manchester? Um, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps next time. Okay. But this this is going to be a family affair oh, in Germany, nice. so I, I can't can't say no to that. Oh, good. Yeah. And if you feel properly yeah. with your gels, you might do quite well as well. And <laughs> I I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. And going off that, like for a marathon, you would normally do it every say half an hour if you can stomach it. So you would usually, I would probably say though, for say something like a high. Sorry, just to interrupt. Every half hour. Yeah wow okay i mean when when i raced i was able to stomach three and admittedly i did the exact thing yeah. you told me not to do of doing it for the first time on the day <laughs> um uh, <laughs> i i can't imagine having one every half an hour i thought every hour would be well, okay but now things have changed a lot now so before so we're looking at how many much carbohydrates you can digest per hour and we, we used to think it's about kind of like 40 to 60 grams per hour and this is a high intensity but what we see now is we can actually tolerate it up to 90 to 100 grams of carbohydrates per hour which is a hell of a lot but because basically we I don't want to go too sciencey, but there's different transporters into the muscle. So you've got glucose and fructose. And imagine that you've got a house, the glucose can go through the door and the fructose can go through the windows. So if you can give you different sugars, we can get more into the house because they're acting. Interesting. Okay. So you'll see some okay. of these gels now, so like beta fuel, Morton, you can get more carbohydrates into your system um, with one gel. So if we know that we can say take in between 60 and 90 grams per hour, one gel is going to be say 40 or 30. We should be having that one every half an hour. And at the intensity that you're going to be exercising with high rocks, it's at your threshold or above. You're literally ripping through carbohydrates per hour more than you can replace. So if you can get, I wouldn't take in two during a high rocks event, because again, I think you've got to be careful of that because yeah. more balls, you're jumping up and down. The gastric problem could be an issue. Yes. So with that, yes. I'll probably say first practice, but that 40 minute mark, I think that's going to be enough. But yeah, if you can tolerate it, there's a... So I did a bit of work with Super Sapiens. Where have you seen some of the where they put the uh, the glucose monitors on the back of the arm? Yes. The yeah. So they did some experiments where they looked at how much carbohydrates people could take on board. And there's a guy I can't remember his name. He got the record for climbing Mount Everest on the bike, and he could take on about 120 grams of carbohydrate per hour. And that is insane. You're talking like four gels per hour, and he could he could do it. And it's just like no really else okay. Supermetabolism that just instantly gets absorbed. Wow. Okay. Whereas for you that can have okay. one gel for hour, you're always going to be at that disadvantage if you can't get that max in. Yes. Well, to be fair, I've not tried since my marathon. So <laughs> don't try for it. Was a, it was 
no, it was a, it was a it was a one and done jobby for me. Okay, um, in similar vein, perhaps my next question was going to be supplements in general. Are they a waste of time and money, or is there something you would genuinely perhaps recommend for functional athletes in general? Yeah, on the whole, food should be your primary source of what you're going to get if you've got a fairly well but if you've got a balanced diet you're eating enough you've got plenty of carbohydrates you should be okay but there are going to be things that's going to give you that little one two percent of advantages so i'd only have protein if you can't hit your protein requirements i think if you can get it from food do that okay you don't need a protein shake i think creating monohydrates we know that it can help with power with speed it can help with explosiveness and obviously pushing things like the sled pulling the sled it's going to give you that advantage one caveat with the creatine is that it does cause you to hold a bit of water within the muscle, so you mm-hmm. can feel a bit heavy. And if you're mm-hmm. on, say, the pro division with those kind of weights, I guess weight can help if you can carry it. Whereas on, say, maybe the open division, you might not need quite that much weight. So what you can do is you can take it up until about eight weeks before the event, so you'd get the benefits of the strength, the power, the bit of explosiveness. But by taking it out, we know the washout period is about eight weeks. You lose the water weight, but you still have that still benefit from the training. So Creating is a definite one, but just be mindful if weight's an issue, you could take it out before. Okay, got more more than I bargained for, and that is a very specific recommendation <laughs> as well. Excellent. Creatine. Um, okay. And then I had cre- creatine, yeah. Five grams a day. You don't need a brand. Creatine monohydrate. You can get Crea Pure, which is just slightly more, I guess, a cleaner version, but don't pay over the odds for some special brand, which is selling it for 40 quid. You can get it for about eight quid. God, okay, well, I. I'm sold. Yeah. Get, get me get me some creatine <laughs> and some gels that I can stomach. Okay. <laughs> um, then perhaps the last question that we have time for today, and maybe slightly less scientific, um, Nathan, our resident data scientist, yeah. has asked if there's still any validity to carbohydrate, car- carbohydrate loading, specifically wolfing down a huge bowl of pasta the night before you have a big race or an event or anything like that. Um, I'm going to hope you're going to say it's fine because that's what I do. Um, although that's probably an indication that you shouldn't be doing it. But yeah, I'm keen to hear yeah, what you think, Jack. It's, it's not about carbo loading. That's a bit, it is very, it's quite dated now. It's more about just topping off your glycogen store. So imagine you've got those tanks. What we know yeah. now is you can do that within 24 hours. And it, it really depends on what you're going to eat. So this is a big mistake I see against against runners, CrossFit athletes, horses as well, actually, is that you'll see online you've got to have six grams per kilo of carbohydrates per body weight the day before a race. But if you're not used to doing that, it's just going to make you sick. It's just going to be terrible if you're used to having about half of it. So all that you need to think about is that because you're reducing your training load in the week or the few days before, your glycogen stores or carbohydrates are automatically going to be coming up anyway. So you're already fairly filled. Then all that you need to do is think on the day before, just have a carbohydrate portion with your breakfast, your lunch, and your dinner. Have some sugary cereal before bed, or say something like it could be honey or something, something like high GI. That in itself will top up your stores. So you can have your pasta party, but don't have more than you're not used to. Because if you have this huge bowl, you've never had that before a race, you're just asking for problems. I really like the terminology pasta party. I've never heard that before, but I happily attend the pasta party by myself uh, 
with or without a race yeah. uh, to look forward to the next day. <laughs> it's after this podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I might, might, in fact, have had a pasta party just before this call. So. <laughs> the irony is I did as well. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. No shame yeah. in that. No shame in that. Um, okay, Jack. Um, lastly, and perhaps most seriously, you've not done a high rocks yet. Can we get you on air to commit to your first race right now? Absolutely. Or have you got, got one planned already? I've got two in the books already. Ah, okay, okay. Got, where can we where can we see you? London and Manchester. London and Manchester. Fair enough. Okay. Nice combo. Um that makes this question that I'm going to ask a lot easier. What is going to be your cheat meal post London and post Manchester? And will they differ? No. Pizza without a doubt. <laughs> pizza, right? Okay, but we need some more details. So, pizza, what toppings? We need a dessert, and we also oh, need a drink. I think with pizza, it's all the cheeses. So, I, I'm not a salami, I'm not a ham, and nothing that type. It's more like spinach and cheese. Keep it simple. That's what I would go for. Well, I mean, that's everything but simple. <laughs> but fine. Okay, yeah, spinach and cheese. Yeah. yeah. In, term, uh, in terms of dessert, I don't think I could stomach that then after the the pizza. I think. For me, it's like once I've done like a really hard event, pizza's enough with a few beers, and that's what I need. Okay, fine, yeah. but at least at least you're 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 chugging down a few 100%. beers as well. Yeah. Um, what what type of beer are we talking? I think I'm, I like neck oil at the moment. I think that's my kind of go-to beer at the moment. Yes, yeah. yes, that is the correct answer. <laughs> neck oil is just everything at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, Jack, you've been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug at the end of our show? Um, just check out the website, so boxnutrition.co.uk. And but more, if you've got any questions about nutrition, honestly, I'd just love to hear them because uh, the more questions I get, the better. And you can find um, or you can find Jack rather on box underscore nutrition on Instagram. Is that the best place yeah. to to contact yeah, you? Definitely. Yeah. Excellent. Um, well, thanks so much again. Thank you. And um, back to the boys in the studio. I hope. Cheers. Thanks again, Max. And that is it for this week's episode of the Rock Zone podcast. Another great guest on the pod this week. And our summer camp series, I guess, is now coming to an end. But don't worry. We'll be back next week with another awesome episode. Once again, press that subscribe button or follow button. Just make sure you do it right now. You'll get notified whenever we release episodes. And I'm going to come in and shove another piece of cake down your throat. So hopefully you don't choke this time. Uh, but just a quick reminder that the Betty Crocker workout uh, for all you guys is happening on Wednesday, the 2nd of August at 6pm, Unit 1, Nine Elms, London. Uh, book your space now by clicking the link in the show notes. Uh, book it. This episode. Um, or you can find it in the Instagram bio. Anywhere, anywhere. Book anywhere. it. You, you choke on it. You have fun with that. And hopefully I'll see you a few, <laughs> a few guys down there if you haven't, uh, if you managed to cough it back up. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Three, two, one. Rugs it out. Rugs it out. <laughs>